0: First of all, I want to welcome to the service this evening. I appreciate uh, everybody coming out. Uh, most of you, if you were here this morning, knew I was speaking and you came back anyway, and I appreciate that very much. And uh, I want to thank Jay for the prayer on my behalf, and I hope that something that I present this evening will be beneficial to you. I want to thank uh, Charles and Brian, Thomas, Mark, all of them that helped me with the technology uh, and how to navigate a little bit, and hopefully we can get through that pretty easily this evening. Also, but I appreciate their pa- appreciate their patience with me as we got through the presentation to make sure I could uh, navigate everything properly. I uh, also want to thank the congregation here, uh, the leadership for allowing me this opportunity. Also, I want to thank the congregation for uh, welcoming in lanice and me to the to the uh, congregation here. Very warm welcome. We appreciate that. Uh, we are moving to town, I guess officially moved to town, uh, kind of still in between, so to, so to speak, uh, but uh, kind of getting settled. but we just appreciate everybody's uh, warm welcome, the uh, well wishes. I'm sure the prayers on our behalf as well as uh, the offers to help and assist at any anything that we need, so I really appreciate that too. It's good to be here. Uh, I really never thought that I would call Plainview my home. It's kind of an interesting uh, concept to me because uh, grew- growing up here, and not that the lesson tonight has to be about who I am, but my name is Mike Hayes, for those of you who don't know, and uh, my grandparents were Gertrude and Robert Hayes, for those of you who may have known them, uh, obviously tied to this congregation for many years, so... Uh, it's good to be with you this evening. As we get into the subject matter this evening, you'll see I'm going fishing, and I don't want anybody to think for one minute that I'm a fisherman, because <laughs> I'm not. Uh, anybody that knows me very well at all, uh, I would almost rather do anything else but fish. Um, so when I say I'm going fishing, this quote actually comes from a Bible hero of mine that we're going to, uh, it's going to be kind of the common thread in our lesson this evening, but uh, Fishing is something that my granddaddy Pullen, if anyone knew Milton Pullen uh, from the Channelview congregation, um, passed on by now. But when I was a kid, that, that, that man taught me a lot about patience because he had so much when he was with me and he would take me fishing. He loved to fish. He was a fisherman. And uh, when we were a kid and I was unfortunate enough at the ages I was at to not really fully appreciate the time that I had with my granddad. Um, because usually when he went fishing or took me fishing, it was leaving like at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know about you kids today, but I can tell you, when I was a kid, I didn't want to get up at 5 in the morning to do anything, much less go fishing. But we got up and we uh, went fishing with Granddad, and not very good at doing it. We'd you know spend an hour, hour and a half to get to the place that was the right place that, was, that we'd fish at, and uh, spend a lot of time and effort to get everything, the bait on the line, the lure that we we're going to use, whatever. And I, I, I promise you, almost every time we went, it wasn't more than about five minutes before I was hooked on a log. I had ripped off my hook or something went seriously wrong that my granddad had to spend about 30 minutes redoing and then I'd put it back in and do the same thing again. So I don't know if I was just unlucky or that was just a sign I didn't need to be a fisherman, Uh, but nonetheless, this certainly isn't about I'm going fishing. Hopefully we can tie that in as we go along. There's so many iconic heroes as I call them in the Bible that have been left for us as an example And uh, Peter is is going to be my common thread tonight. This was his quote, I'm going fishing, in John chapter 21 and verse 3. Some background to when he said this, and it's interesting. uh, Jay mentioned the 33 years of Christ on this earth. Uh, Well, three years prior to him making the statement is when Christ's ministry started. He chose his disciples, he chose his apostles that were going to go with him on this three-year missionary tour that he did. And uh, at the end of this, uh, this actual uh, statement was said uh, in between the death, burial, and the resurrection and the day of Pentecost when Jesus was actually showing himself to be alive, being resurrected from the dead. He actually said this statement uh, after Jesus had come to them at the Sea of Tiberias. And we will wrap around and and, uh, read more of this scripture when the time comes. But he was at the Sea of Galilee. He presented himself to the apostles, and after Jesus retreated back to the land, at this point that's when Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now you think about this at first time, at first thought you're thinking, Well, okay, he he decided to go fishing. Three years he had spent with Jesus in in the apostleship, all the things that had occurred, and his first thought after he sees Jesus is, I'm gonna go back and go fishing again? And I like Peter in a lot of ways and a lot of biblical examples that we can have. But I like Peter because Peter was very human. And he was so much like I am today. And I can tell you the uh, the sermon topics that I put together uh, are not directed at anybody in the crowd. They're always around things that I feel like I need to work on myself. And hopefully, in a lot of cases, that will help apply to you. But we all have stresses in life. There's so many things that we do in this life that, that kind of get us down, and in our own minds, we get bogged down with the day-to-day process of making a living, dealing with the family, dealing with sometimes tragedies in our life, uh, sometimes simple things like cars breaking down, uh, sometimes plumbing going out, electricity not working right, different things like that can really derail me. I don't know about you, but all those stresses, we usually try to find a way of escape, we have things that sometimes that it's our kind of our comfort place to go to, our happy place, if you will. And those happy places for Peter, in this case, was he wanted to go fishing. You know, kind of get your mind off things. And I'm not knocking those things that from time to time that we need to do to get our mind kind of focused back on what is really important. Some of you may do needlework. Some may do crossword puzzles. Um, You may do some games that help you relax. You may go golfing. I'm telling you, golfing, some people feel like golf about the same way I do about fishing. But golfing relaxes me. And there's things that we go to that can really help us or we feel like can help us in our lives as far as kind of taking away the stresses that go along with that. We want to look at a few things this evening that hopefully will help us in our walks, that will help us in our Christian lives and make application again with Peter as the common thread. First thing is, where is your comfort zone? Where does that lie? What are the boundaries? How do you, how do, you do that? And I'm not going to give you a, a, a checklist of what it is for you. You're going to have to examine yourselves on what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Do you take action? And that one I can tell you, with, with me is a, is a big one. Is like, okay, we can talk all day long about getting out of our comfort zone, but are we going to take action on the things that we said that we want to do once we get out of our comfort zone? And then finally, to follow instruc- to follow instructions. Follow the instructions that has been given to us. So let's begin by looking at our comfort zone. As we look at Peter and a lot of the decisions that he made, We understand uh, one of those decisions was that he left his profession, and we talked about he made that statement, I'm going fishing, that was his profession before he actually became an apostle. And one of the things as far as getting out of his comfort zone that's a good example that we have from Peter is as we look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if you put yourself in that same position as these gentlemen here that had been in a profession for a long time, and they were making a living, and things were just going going really well for them, and somebody comes up to you and says, okay, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to put your nets aside, drop your profession, and here's what I need you to do. You're going to follow me, and you're going to go with me on my ministry. I can tell you I would look at that, and I would kind of say, okay, I can tell you personally, I've been in the same, with the same company for almost 30 years now. And if somebody came up to me and says, okay, I want you to quit your job you're doing right now, and I want you to come do something else, I would be asking a lot of questions. I would be looking at the details saying, okay, I'm not so sure about this. I don't really feel like this is the right time for me, whatever the case may be. That would be my reaction. But Peter, what did uh, they say? In verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately stopped what they were doing and followed Jesus. They understood that cause. Now we understand this evening that Jesus isn't going to come and ask us to do that same thing the way he did his apostles at that time, but through the scriptures he does ask us multiple times to evangelize. He asks us multiple times to go and do things, and how often do we get other things that are in the way that keep us from doing that? Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up in your life for the cause of Christ? Are there so many things in this life that get in our way? Brother Craig talked this morning about some of those distractions that we get to, some of those things that don't even matter of this world that sometimes cause us issues in serving Christ. Are we willing to leave immediately those things that have been given to us, and are we willing to follow Christ in what he asks us to do? As we look in Luke chapter 9, we see... An example here, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And also another also said, Lord, I will follow you But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house, because but Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but if you're really honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, this would have been me. Uh, I would not have done what Peter and the other apostles did. I'm nearly one hundred percent sure I would have said, Hey. First of all, I've got a wife. I've got some kids. I got some grandkids, and I, I need I need two or three days. I need two or three days to kind of get my things in order, make sure they're taken care of, and make sure to kind of tell, give them a farewell, uh, give them a farewell goodbye. You know, say my goodbyes when Christ asks us to do something, are we willing to do and leave that comfort zone in order to do that? The scriptures bear out to me that when we're asked to do something or when an opportunity presents itself to us, that we need to take action on that as soon as we can. And it says in verse 62, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God you know and again we're not going to be asked maybe in the same way that they were here but in a sense we are asked every single day as opportunities arise with coworkers with people at school with those we come in contact with on the street maybe those we see at restaurants we have opportunities to take and do we take those opportunities or do we make excuses as to why we can't do something what level of commitment do we have when we're talking about that You know, we talk about the comfort zone and being able to slip back into that. And a lot of times with me, I can tell you it's the excuses of, and I'm sure we've all had this in our lives, but, you know, I got up really early this morning and I I had a really rough day. I really had a bad day. There's so many things that went wrong. And I'm, I, I get home, and I'm just exhausted mentally and physically. And I just can't do anything else, and I'm not going to do anything but sit on my easy chair, turn on the TV, and relax. How many hours have I wasted doing those things when I could have been doing Christ's bidding, when I could have been doing something that really mattered to somebody's soul and eternal salvation? Lazy is something that... I think we all, to some degree, fight, but it's something that all of us want to say, well, you know, I've earned. I've earned the time to relax. I've earned the time. I've done all this. I'm doing all these things. I've earned the right to have a good time. We've got to be careful with that, that we don't use that as an excuse. Yes, there's a time for everything, as Ecclesiastes tells us, a time for all those things. There is a time for rest. There is a time for relaxation. There's nothing wrong with enjoying those hobbies that we have, but making sure they don't get in the way of, of the bidding that has been given to us to do. As we kind of get back to to Peter and we think about the decisions in his comfort zone, you know, the fact that he was willing to leave and leave his comfort zone immediately was very commendable, but we find out that he too, as I said, is very human and slips back into issues as we see in Mark chapter 14. Now, Jesus was betrayed. This is shortly after the Lord's Supper. Jesus was betrayed by Judas with, with a kiss and was led away to the high priest. And with him uh, assembled the chief priests, the elders, and scribes, but followed. Uh, but P- Jesus was taken away. I'm sorry, I'll get, a, get ahead of myself here. In verse 54, Peter followed him at a distance. So Christ is taken into custody and a, to go to await trial. And Peter was right there when he was arrested. And didn't stay by his side. There are a lot of things that could have gone wrong with Peter. There's a lot of things in his mind was going, well, maybe if I stay back here, I'll, you know, I'll be able to do something later that'll be more impactful instead of staying by his side and being taken into captivity too. Uh, whatever, we don't have record of any of that. But what we do have record of is that he followed at a distance. And what did he do? He warmed himself at the fire. Christ is in dire straits. He's in peril and Peter is staying kind of at a short distance to be able to see. And one scripture that I think is very beautiful, if you read it, that talks about he's close enough that Jesus can see him. And actually, Jesus takes a look at him. And I imagine that look was a, a look of shame. A look of shame that made Peter feel so small that he was doing what he was doing at far off. And as we know, the rest of the story, as the scriptures bears out for us, as he denied Christ three times. And he was told just previously that night that there's going to be one of you that's going to deny me. And he adamantly said, but I will die before I will deny. Yet right after this, when he's warming himself by the fire, he slips back into his comfort zone or trying to keep himself comfortable and ends up denying Christ and causing a little uh, shame on himself. How often are you like that? But the encouragement I think we can take from this is we're not perfect We're not going to do everything right all the time. We're human. That's why Christ died, because we make mistakes. We sin. We fall short of the glory of God. And when we make those mistakes, like Peter did here, there's a way to make amends. We're not always going to make those right decisions. But as we look at Matthew chapter 16 and think of the impact that Peter had on the church and on the kingdom... As Jesus is talking to uh, his apostles, he said to them, Who do you say I am? Talking to Simon Peter. Simon Peter answered, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So even though Peter makes mistakes, even though we make mistakes, even though we slip back in our comfort zone when we have opportunities, we can make amends for that. There's things that we can do to say, okay, we messed up, move on and do things better as we go forward. So I think it's important for us as we talk about our comfort zone to think it's not a one-time commitment that we say, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone and then here I am the rest of the time and I'm never going to slip back or make a mistake. It's important for us to understand that. As we look at our comfort zone and our level of commitment, we have to ensure that we're giving God the glory for everything. And as we kind of transition, this is, do we take action on those things? Okay, we've made the decision we're going to step out of our comfort zone. Do we take action? And what does that take action look like to you? First of all, and first and foremost, again, to give God the glory in everything. Give God the glory for those things, even in those things that we're not particularly happy about, those prayers that Brother Jay talked about in his prayer, that the bad news that you get from time to time, those tragedies that happen in your life, it's hard to be thankful for those things but sometimes those things open doors or cause you to realign your priorities or maybe in some cases to say, okay, this life is very temporary. These are things I need to do to make sure that my eternity is secured. I think it's important that we also understand from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that it's God that gives the increase no matter what action we take. I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, so then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one of you will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Those actions that we take after we step out of our comfort zone or staying out of our comfort zone, we will be rewarded according to our own labor. Verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. Ye are God's field, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one of you take heed on how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, you know we sing the song, "Are you a worker for the Lord?" and uh, sung that song all my all my life, um, and also the song, "Lord, send me," but you know a lot of times it 's like, "Lord, send me, and I want to be the worker for the Lord when it 's convenient for me, not when it 's convenient for what mission we should be on in saving souls and giving that message of the gospel to those that we need to reach, those that are outside of the kingdom that need to be added to that kingdom. I think it's important for us to understand that. As we read Matthew chapter 25, uh, Craig also alluded to the, uh, uh, those that were given the talents, and this is actually the day of reckoning as we're reading in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 20 says so he that had received five talents came and brought another five talents saying lord you have delivered me five talents look i have gained five more talents besides them his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things enter into the joys of your lord he who had received two talents came and said lord you delivered me to me two talents look i have gained two more talents besides them His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And we understand that that wicked servant was cast into outer darkness. I don't care what kind of talent you have. God expects you to use that talent you have. It may be something small. It may be something big. There may be things that you're good at that other people aren't. That's the beauty of the church, is that we have each other to lean on, because the things that I'm very weak in, that somebody else is strong in, and it, it works. I mean, if we just let And take those talents that God has given. Let Him be the one that's going to be responsible for that increase. It it works, but it's important for us to whether we have five talents, or two talents, or one talent that we actually use those talents. Do we bury our talents, or do we take that action for Christ that we should? Now, as we kind of get back to Peter in John chapter 18, and this is uh, shortly right after the Lord's Supper and Judas' betrayal of Him, uh, we see that. Peter took action. He took action in verse 10 of John chapter 18. Simon Peter, having drew a sword, uh, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 52 uh, gives us uh, the information. But Jesus said, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. So as we kind of transition, as we talk about that take action, yeah, there's a lot of physical things, a lot of worldly things that can take place, but Peter at this, at this time decided it was still a physical earthly battle instead of the spiritual battle and still didn't understand after three years of ministry with Jesus Christ that at this point it's going to be about my death on the cross, the resurrection, the resurrection and that the death, the burial, and the resurrection so that we can have the gospel and have that forgiveness of sin through that blood that he shed. So it's important that that action that we do take is the right action. At this particular time, and this is obviously right before we read about him going and warming himself by the fire, but at this point, he was still all gung-ho, all in, didn't really care what was going to happen to him in the heat of the moment, and took off Malchus's ear. Christ actually received that ear back to Malchus' ear, performed a miracle right then and there. And uh, at that point, you know, we look at Peter and say, you know, he, he didn't really make the right choice. But a lesson for us to understand that, you know, how we take action is important, and it's important to God how we take action. So take the right action that we can as we go forward. The last one is do we follow instructions? In our actions, we must follow the instructions of God. It's important that whatever we do in our instructions uh, that God has given to us, laid out for us, we have the scriptures that's easy for us to get to, easily accessible in all sorts of forms and fashions. It's important that we uh, do it in the right manner. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who, walk, who walks to direct his own steps. It's important for us to realize that we're not in control. And I like to be, and all of us like to be, I think at some point, I like to be in control. I like to say, okay, I've got this and we can handle whatever life throws at me. And I'm in a position to, to take on whatever the world can, can, can deal out to me. You know, that's all well and good until something goes wrong, till you get sick, till a family member gets sick, till a tragedy strikes. And we have each other to lean on, we have prayer to lean on, but there's from time to time we have to understand that God is in control of everything. And if we just follow those instructions in our actions that we do, getting out of our comfort zone, again, God will give that increase. And also, too, I think very important for us to always realize that 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, that we present ourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think it's important for all of us to always understand the more we study, the more we will learn more about what God's will is for us. And those talents that you think you don't have maybe in your life that you need to take action on, the more you study, the more you will find some of those talents that you may have to reach others. As we get back, and I realize this font is pretty slow, uh, pretty, pretty small, and I actually uh, can barely read it back there or not. So I'm going to actually, if you want to turn along, if you can't read that font. But going back to uh, basically the the scripture that we started with, where he says, "I'm going fishing," John chapter 21, beginning in verse one. It says, "After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberius." And in this way he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going fishing with you also. And I'm going to pause there for just a minute and think about, I am going fishing. So the influence that we have on each other can be huge. And you think about Peter, in this particular time, with all the ministry that had happened, Christ showing himself to be alive to the world at this time, and his first thought is, I'm going to go fishing, and then what do all these other apostles and disciples do? say, well, I am too. Isn't there more important business that needs to be taken care of right now? Isn't there more important things that these apostles of Christ should be doing? But it says, we're going too. We're going to go with you also. Then they then went out immediately and got on the boat and that night caught nothing. But when the morning had come Jesus stood on the shore yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, "Children, have you any food?" And they answered him, "No." And he said to them, "Cast the nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some." Now, again, I'm not a fisherman, but I'm thinking I understand water a little bit. And if the water on this side doesn't have any fish, probably the water on this side is not going to have any fish. So these are people who had professionally done fishing. So you would think they would say, well, I, you know, they, they, they said they didn't recognize Jesus. But, are, you know, are you crazy? Are you crazy? You, you know, I, I, I'm fishing on this side with the nets. If I just put them over here, I'm going to catch some fish. And a lot of times when opportunities are given to us like that, we're like, you know, knocking doors. I, I don't see sometimes that we get that much productivity out of that. But maybe the next door you knock on is somebody that's going to be receptive. And the same, we're, same uh, similar situations that we may be in in our lives to evangelize is similar to what they have here. But they told them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they did that. They followed the instructions. Now they were, able, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was, in, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in, in a little boat, for they were not uh, far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging with their nets. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire on the coals, and the fish that laid on it and bread. Jesus said unto them bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to f- to land, full of large fish, 153. And although and although there were so many the net was not broken. And I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the inspired word of God that Peter of all people is the one that jumps off the boat and swims to shore. The others get in the boat and kind of do it the conventional way, but Peter gets to Jesus as quickly as he can when he realizes it's Jesus. You know, there's a lot of things in our lives that can get in our way, and it's usually self-inflicted in what we do. Sometimes it's inflicted by others, but it's important for us that as we go through our lives that we understand what our comfort zone is, that we take action, and that we follow instructions. You know, I mentioned the door knocking, but I think there's many things that we can do when it comes to evangelism that will help others, that will help us in our walks. And those good works aren't going to get us into heaven, but they're expected to be done that we do those, that we actually take action. You know, Noah was, was built the ark for a hundred years, and he, the scriptures tell us that he preached during that time. Nobody but those eight were saved on that ark, but he preached the whole time. Just because nobody else got on that ark and was saved didn't keep him from preaching. We need to take that action. We need to be willing to take those steps to do everything we can, even if we don't see the result of it immediately and understand that that seed could be planted that could help somebody's eternal soul. We don't know the hearts and the mind of those who are are here this evening. If you have a need this evening, we'd be glad to assist you. The leadership here would be glad to pray for you on your behalf. If you've been sufficiently taught and would like to become a member of that kingdom, to take that gospel that has been given to us and, and start your Christian walk in the kingdom. We can assist you with that also this evening as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.